prayer. The collect of the day is not the first prayer that we pray during the service. It's the first prayer that we pray, though, in the uh, lead up to the readings. And we have a couple of different kinds of praying that go on throughout the worship service. The college of the day is a particular one, though, for each Sunday. So, for example, the Kyrie is the Kyrie is the Kyrie. It's going to be the same every Sunday, no matter what the readings are for the day, no matter what else is happening that day. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. That's going to be the same. The, the prayer of the church is also a series of comics, but it's going to be more geared towards kind of what's going on. The touchstone for the prayer of the church after the sermon and, and the, as the offerings are being brought up, that prayer is going to be a little bit more responsive directly to, say, current events or requested prayers that have come from the congregation or from the community. So it's going to be weighted on that side of our experience of the Christian life and faith. The collect of the day is a slightly different thing. It's going to be directed in response to the gospel lesson for this day's service. Now, you may recognize, of course, that the readings change from day to day. And when we get to each of their component parts, we'll take a look at how that actually happens. But one thing I'd like to identify right now and kind of help to bring home is that the gospel lesson for any particular gathering of God's people is going to run the show. The words and deeds of our Lord given to us, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are head and shoulders above the rest of everything else that is going to happen in the course of the service of the word. They are going to be the directing point. They're calling the shots. And the thing is, there's any number of shots, actually, that any particular gospel lesson can call. I mean, for example, today's lesson, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. You could think about that in terms of the gifts of God across the board and his abundant provision for all that we need to support the body and life. And you could talk about it in terms of the fact that God provides what we need day by day. In conversation with the Old Testament lesson that we heard, where Isaiah is prophesying about food and drink, but it seems to be he's not quite talking about steak and potatoes and a good cabernet. Seems like maybe he's talking about spiritual things in terms of physical things. He's using a little bit of figure of speech. He's using some poetic creative license to talk about the necessity of the word of the Lord. And so that might then inform how you think about what's going on also in the gospel lesson, because there's a little conversation going on between the two of them. Now, 
That reality that we'll talk about a little bit more when we get to the lessons themselves in terms of our presentations for this also informs what we're doing today with respect to the collect of the day. Now it begins with a little call and response. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Good. Yeah, very good. <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> good. Now that happens, that little call and response is a salutation. A hi there, right? That's salutation. Hi. But it's more than that, right? It's the Lord be with you and also with you, or the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Which harkens back to the very first thing we did when we came together, when we said in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is a, a shortened version and kind of a call and response that reminds us that God is here. But not just kind of in a random way. This salutation marks the transition between the opening part of the service of the word and now our preparation for hearing God's word directly, the lessons of the day. It's, it's a shift. It marks a transition of purpose. That same call and response, the Lord be with you and also with you, is going to mark the shift between the service of the word and the service of the sacrament. It's one of those lines that says, okay, we're moving closer in to our intimacy with God today. So, for example, you might think about it this way. You go visiting to somebody's house and it's a good friend of yours. You might have a conversation on the porch. And then at some point during that conversation on the porch, that friend might invite you to have a seat in the living room. And you might have some more conversation there. That transition marks a move in to greater intimacy. We're going to have a, a further conversation together. That transition might happen again if you're invited to stay for supper. And now we've had another layer of intimacy. Now we're sharing food together. So as these things progress, our conversation with the Lord also grows in intimacy. As we say, move from what is most general, glory be to God on high and on earth, peace to among his people on earth and so forth, and the words of the glory and so forth, to the specific word for today. Going back to that conversation thing about the front porch and the living room, it might be something like having some chit chat and saying what you might say to anyone to being getting down to business. Why have you come? What's the reason for the conversation? Why the visit? And maybe there might also be a reason then to come indoors to have a conversation that isn't necessarily for everyone to overhear, but for this particular purpose, for this particular person, and so forth. So this move in also is a, a move in towards the, the seriousness of the, the kind of conversation that's going to happen in the next layer. Which moves me then to the college of the day proper. Now, we don't do this all the time, but this time I divided it up into its component parts. A collect 
is a particular kind of prayer that has five parts. And if you'll indulge me for just a moment, these are the five parts that colleagues generally have. Now, on occasion, one part gets dropped out, but most often they have five parts. And this is also a, a good pattern for a, a way to learn simple praise, uh, a way for all of us to, to think about giving a direct, particular kind of request to God. So first of all, there is an address. How are we going to talk to God? How are we going to address the Lord today? And usually, that address is going to be in line with what is going to be asked for. And what do I mean? Well, there's all kinds of ways that you can address God. Heavenly Father is the one we have today, Lord of life. Dear Jesus, you know, dear Jesus, help. That's a great prayer. You can pray directly to the Holy Spirit. You can use one of the other thematic kind of addresses to God, creator of all things, satisfier of every need. Whatever kind of address to God that is in line with what you're going to be requesting. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father is a good one, as they all are, I suppose, because in this particular case, we're asking as dear children come to their dear father to request some specific things in recognition that God the Father is the one who's there to provide these things for us. So in, in this case, too, there's a, a lifting up of, of the first commandment, even, to recognize that of all the places I could look for the things of body and soul that I need, I'm not going to look anywhere else but to my heavenly Father, who's provided these things in sincerity and truth, and has provided them in abundance. So there's all kinds of addresses that you'll find in the colleagues, each of them good and salutary. They all want to emphasize, though, what we're asking for. The second component part kind of identifies both our need and the, the thing about God that is going to get us a yes. Now, I, I, I've been trying to think about how to say that without sounding manipulative. But the, but the reality is we touch on that characteristic of God or that attribute of God that would make us expect that he's going to say yes to our prayer. We, we lift that up for his attention. And we, we see this in a number of ways all the way through scripture as well. Because you are gracious and merciful, because you are long-suffering, because you are almighty and powerful to defeat all my enemies, etc., etc., etc. Because you are, then I'm going to give my hope for a petition. In this case, in this case, we're praying, recognizing that we don't deserve any of the things for which we pray, which is another another allusion to the uh, to the Lord's prayer, 
but that we also recognize that because of his generosity, God is providing for us all that we need of body and soul. What was fascinating to me about this prayer when I paired it up with the gospel lesson is the petition, the actual request. Because the actual request is not for bread and fish. The actual request is for the Holy Spirit. When Jesus feeds the five thousand, and when we hear the fulfillment of that also in conversation with Isaiah's prophecy about what food means, and Jesus' other words about what God the Father wants to give his children, right? You who are evil, who know how to give good gifts to your children, you're not going to give them a, a rock when they ask for bread. How much more, he says in another part of Matthew, how much more will he give to his children the Holy Spirit when they ask for him? And so this collect gathers a number of different passages from Scripture together, a number of different words of Jesus to point us to the one thing truly needful. What is it to ask God for stuff? And what is it for a Christian to ask God for the Holy Spirit? You see, it would not be enough. It would be insufficient in terms of the collect, even if it's dealing with the passages today, to stay on the level of what I would call first article gifts, things of creation. Food and drink, house and home, spouse, children, and all my goods. It would be insufficient to stay at that level even when the gospel lesson is laying out the fact that Jesus is the provider of all good things. Because, because Jesus is the provider of all good things, because he demonstrates that he has not only the whole world in his hands, because he's able to feed the 5,000, but actually has everything that I need, then it is also an invitation to ask and request the one needful thing that is actually going to move me into eternal life. And that is the Holy Spirit. To create, sustain, and uphold my faith and trust in him, in Jesus of Nazareth, as God in the flesh for me. And that through that forgiveness, he will work forgiveness through me to my neighbor because he reshapes all the things about me and not just makes sure I have enough calories for the day. And so the prayer, even ahead of time, actually points us forward to the upcoming agenda that is going to be circling in the various lessons that we are about to hear. 
and points us in a direction also not just and in terms of being hearers, but also in terms of being a preacher. Well, what to say? What's important for the people of God to hear? Now, it's going to be important for them to hear it in a way that is going to be winsome and, and jovial and a part of all of our experience together. But to get right at the nub of it all, give us your Holy Spirit. That's what we want. And that's what all of these things point us towards. Even the promise that Jesus is taking care of us, even on the most basic level of the things of the body, is that promise of graciousness that leads me to know that my God has not just my back, but my front and my sides, above me and below me, that he is going to be so much more than just a quartermaster who provides me with what I need for the body, but also is there to be the giver of life to me in my soul. Give us the Holy Spirit. That's the prayer. That's what all of that has been leading to. But then we also identify what we hope that will accomplish. Right? So the fourth thing is that we have a hope for result. All of these collects also teach us the kinds of things that we can ask for from God. And to what end? That we may return thanks to you, that we may serve you, that we might acknowledge your gifts. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And in Luther's explanation of that petition, that particular request, he acknowledges God gives food to all kinds of people, whether they pray for it or not. But the Christian's reason for praying this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is to recognize who it's coming from, to acknowledge that it's coming from God, and that I don't get to take credit for whatever happens to be on my plate for today, but that this too is a gracious gift of God's loving hand and his abundance. To acknowledge his gifts, to recognize that all of these good things come from my heavenly father. He's the one who's in charge. He's the dad's. I'm the child. That I would truly be thankful. And that in response to all of God's care, it might turn my heart to willing service as well. So the address, the attribute of God, which we imagine will be in line with our prayer, the petition itself, and our hope for result, these four things precede then the doxology. Now, the doxology is a word of praise. It's a word of praise that gives honor and glory to God. And why do this? Because whether God says yes or no to my prayer, whether he gives me what I ask for, surprises me with something different that fulfills the need, but not for which I asked for, 
or simply says, be patient and bear the cross until I say otherwise, regardless of how God answers by prayer, God is still God. He knows. God is the one who is in charge of all things. I am part of his kingdom, and he reigns over all. Our, my Lord Jesus Christ, at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, the Lord God Father on the throne, and the Holy Spirit gathering his people together, the Lord God Almighty is over all things, whether he says to me yes or no. So my faith is not dependent on treating God like a vending machine. Put the right prayer in and get the snicker bar out. No, I have real needs, and he has invited me to come and pray. But my faith is dependent on his word given to me in the promise of Christ for me, regardless of whether or not the things of this particular prayer come to fruition the way I want them to. This is another way of simply recognizing, God, your will be done, not mine. Let my prayer be acceptable to you because of the blood of Christ, having opened the throne room of God, but also never let my faith be so dependent on a particular answer to prayer that that disappointment or that highs and lows of the experience of being a Christian overwhelm your word and promise. So as our prayer wraps up, we recognize that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is guiding and holding me even, even when I'm not quite sure that I see the effects of that in my day-to-day -day experience, where I would question those things, where I would push back on my experience in relation to God's promise. No, the word of the Lord directs and keeps me to trust him, that he sees further and that his wisdom is broader and deeper as well. Here is what I hope for, Lord. But you have me, and I trust you. The colleague of the day sets a gathered agenda, not on its own terms, but because of what it knows already is coming, and prompts us to have open ears to the promises that God is going to be imparting to us in the words and readings that are about to follow. It's a good way to begin to hear God's word. Amen. <clears throat> Now may the peace of God that passes all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in faith towards Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.